personal projects and personal work to me are why I work. I mean, it's like you're writing your autobiography for yourself uh, and you have a different intensity and the interest in the work. And the best photographs uh, that I probably have made uh, in some respects are the most meaningful, maybe not the most, the best, uh, are ones that nobody sees. It was a whim. It was a way to to uh, to do something fun uh, with my wife to celebrate being married a decade. The whole idea was to to make one photograph, not a documentary project. One photograph of these tiny places, and you go to a hundred of them. <laughs> it was kind of a silly idea. We embarked on a, a two-year sojourn around the state of Texas to tiny places that had uh, interesting or odd names like Diddy Why Diddy or Poetry or Blue or um, Elysian Fields, uh, things like that, which just tickled the heck out of her and it, therefore it made me happy and it was fun. We like road trips. <laughs> but you get there and uh, uh, there's nothing there. It's like a crossroads. There's like a mailbox there or, or something. It, but once you put them all together and I started showing them a couple people and you put that all together, it took on a whole collective different uh, uh, sensibility. And I, in retrospect, I think in some ways, and that's all my books have sort of come out of that, uh, it became like making a small auteur film, which is essentially what you're doing, uh, where you conceive of the idea, you make the photographs, the work, you edit it, you do all the work, uh, and for better or worse, that from beginning to end, it's how you saw the project. To answer your question, was uncertain to Blue and that particular project, Transformational? Yes, uh, it was. Um, but earlier we were talking about uh, Robert Frank uh, uh, and the Americans, and that wonderful book has followed him around for a half a century. You know, uh, and my little book, From Uncertain to Blue, has followed me around for close to 30 years now. And it was never meant to be a book. It was meant to be a gift to, to a Pat on a 10th anniversary, wedding anniversary, something interesting to do. A print I made back in early 90s, 1992, called Fireflies. That's the first image I had that the edition closed or was, was sold out. And that's the one I still get inquiries for at least four or five times a year, is it still available or is it on the secondary market? Um, but, and that, that photograph was a mistake, but it, it opened a whole nother world to me that, that you could make an imperfect photograph because it was blurry, uh, um, that crossed the lines of document, uh, not just a documentary photograph, uh, but it became, uh, documentary, mysterious, it became uh, uh, almost ecclesiastical in some ways, it was about light. I mean, at, at first glance, it's two kids with a jar of fireflies, but A, they're out of focus, B, that light is strange, because it was at the very end of the day, much less light there than what I'm looking at, and C, the only point of focus is 
the magnolia leaves behind them, which D is a hint that this is the south. But you don't do that. You don't deconstruct it as you do it. You just know there's something significant going on and make the picture. Just make the picture. You, you got the rest of your life to figure out what it means. If you look at the history of photography, one process has always replaced another process. Always. And the irony of it is hardly any of them ever disappeared. And there's probably more interest today in antiquarian or historical processes than ever before. They're taught across the world now. Uh, so I think it's fair game to use everything. I grew a, a very rare form of melanoma in my left eye uh, called choroidal melanoma. Uh, they did a radiation implant which deteriorated the vision but was theoretically going to save my life. Once I got over that part, uh, I lost most of the vision over a period of time. I can still see in the top left quadrant of, of my left eye. Um, but I can still see light out of my left eye. Once I got over that, I thought, well, okay, um, why don't I make some photographs or try and make some photographs about vision itself or about how I see. And I saw things, if I closed my good eye, I, everything was just dirty, you know, distressed and dirty and dark. Um, so I started to fig try and figure out a way I could do that on silver gelatin paper and prints. I started using uh, esoteric little tools and uh, potassium ferrocyanide bleach, uh, iodine, um, all kinds of uh, things I would, I would try. Uh, beet juice, make essentially a two-dimensional flat piece of paper that had a slight gloss to it, have some sort of textural quality that mirrored how I was seeing. Um, I don't think it was entirely successful, but uh, I learned a lot doing it. Uh, and it didn't take much to over mess things up. So I lost a lot of good negatives. But every now and then, one of them would work. I think I was trying to be, in my mind, brave when I was scared. Uh, I was scared medically. I was scared physically. Uh, and it helped me to, to get over that. I just love Talbot's. If you look at those early little shadow pictures he makes, um, and um, they're all small, you know, um, those cameras he made were small, and they're all little fragmented, irregular sh pieces of paper because they were pinned up, and they all, they're all these multiple tonalities and colors of the simplest things, and they're just exquisite. Part of them that makes, part of what makes them exquisite is they're so intimate about ordinary things. When Pat was ill, one of the the, the, uh, the medicines made her tear up all the time, not because she was in pain or sad or depressed, it just was byproduct of the medicine. And so we went into the dark room. She thought this was funny, uh, which is a mark of her character. And I said, well, let's just see. I mean, uh, and I took a piece of, uh, fiber-based silver gelatin paper and just blotted her face and then put the 
wet paper under the light, and it made a photogram, and it was a photogram of, of tears. Uh, and I'd never seen anything like it. And they were completely abstract, and nobody was going to be interested in those. No gallery's going to sell those. Nobody's going to do anything with those. Poor me, woe is me, blah, 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 blah. But it worked. And, uh, and then she decided she didn't want to do that anymore. She, she wasn't feeling all that great. So we did that for about a week and a half. But I love them. The wet plate collodion work was a direct response to my wife falling ill. And uh, I, I knew no longer was able to travel as widely as I or we had traveled. Um, and travel is stimulating in some ways, and it helps you renew yourself in some ways. And I knew I was going to be uh, tied to the studio in my, and things needed to change. So I was looking for a process um, that would uh, uh, be interesting to do. Uh, and I love the history of photography, uh, like most photographers. So I learned it, uh, and I started project that resulted in what I call Ghostland. Um, and in, in a lot of ways, that body of work uh, was like a, a metaphor for our lives at that time. Uh, for those four years that Pat was ill, uh, um, things were uncertain. It's a capricious process. <laughs> things were over the moon beautiful at times, you know, and that happens when it works well. Um, uh, and it was always mysterious and always interesting. And I think sometimes, this isn't just the wet plate collodion, but it says your, your projects follow your life in some respects, or they do in my case. But um, sometimes you just stand mute in front of the mystery of your own life or those who you love. She was sick for a little over four years, and she was the epitome of strength and grace and graciousness, even as she got weaker, and they did all these things to her. Um, and in the last few months, we had hospice care, and we have a very pretty uh, bedroom, uh, looks out on a pretty backyard with a big oak tree. And the day she passed away, uh, she had slept uncharacteristically late, and I was sitting in a chair reading the newspaper. And she woke up, and she sat up a little bit, and opened the curtains, said, I'll go make some coffee. And she, she looked outside, and she said, I swear to you, what a beautiful world this is. And then she went back to sleep, and she never woke up. That's the last simple declarative sentence out of her mouth. And if that isn't a mark of character or grace or a mantra for us all to consider. Uh, so nowadays, that's what I think of. What a beautiful world this is, you know, uh, and leave it at that. Well, I'm very excited about my, my new project, which is color. So my, my new project is called To Build an Ark. You know, my, my whole idea was I was going to explore the intersection where human expansion 
meets biodiversity, loss of habitat, climate change, et cetera, et cetera. And that's no fun to talk about. And we can change these things. We have the tools, but whether we do that or not, we don't know. Uh, but what I thought I could do is make myself a small Noah's Ark in my head, which is clearly leaking, <laughs> and I would try and collect things that I would like to say. Uh, and sometimes I make them up, and sometimes I find things. But once I figured I could change the color um, and make that, when it worked, evocative or make that interpretive in some way, uh, I got very excited. I'll tell you a, a, a quick story of a photograph I missed that still haunts me. And when I went to the, uh, 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 Laycock Abbey, uh, for the first time, I got there late in the day. It's a small village, as you know. <laughs> and I checked into my bed and breakfast, and it's almost dark. And I go find Laycock Abbey, stone wall there. It is dark. Moon's up, staring at it. Oh, my God, this is it. And all of a sudden, all these shadows on the other side of the stone wall slowly rise and shift, change shapes, and start to move and my eyes adjust, and it's about 200 sheep under this tree, and the blackness had just started moving because I was standing there. And I tried to make a photograph. You can probably do it with a digital camera now. Uh, and yet again, I missed, but I still remember what a wonderful picture that would, could have been, and how you could print it, you know, black on black, you know, and maybe, maybe just bleach some of the little. Also, those English sheep don't look like American sheep. You know. Um, oh, it was a wonderful experience. <laughs>